happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. And welcome back to my podcast. I'm Andy Alvin, and I'm here live in a stereo on your screen. So, what's up, guys? Hi, this is me. Like, you see me for real face to face, not hearing my podcast, which is stupid. But you also hear my podcast. If you're listening, if you can't access it, you're listening to my podcast and you're watching my podcast. So, hi. And you're listening to my podcast through your phones, through your devices, whatever, okay? So, anyways, today we'll be talking about the Spanish Golden Age and the French Neoclassical and how it's different from theater today. So before we get started, let's go over the usual, like we usually talk about in previous podcasts. When we think of theater, we think of actors, plays, and sets, and obviously so much more. But back in the day, theater was different. Not as so much work was put into it, it's more simple. And as we get closer to the end of the semester, we're starting to realize they're all tying together to form modern theater today. Um, so what we're going to talk about here is we're going to talk about the Spanish and the Spanish theater in the specular. Um, the Spanish in Spain, dramatics, producing the comedy's background. And France in the 16th, 17th centuries, French drama and theater, French theater production in France. So, getting into it, we're going to start, I'm scrolling so you guys could like, like, this is all live, so we're scrolling to get into it. So, the Roman Empire, which was in the Moorish animation, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel of 1492, um, and Columbus, Spanish infusion, uh, Overall, this all meant that it was getting starting to, sorry, excuse me, starting to um, form and, you know, get into. So, later on in this revolution and time, they had this, you know, sorry, putting my beanie on. They had this thing, you know, more subjugation, stalling, religious dramas. There was mysteries in plays like in Elk, Otto Smirkless, you know. Later on, this half a century... Half 60th century Corpus Christi, you know, one at place were starting to form. Specular religious and sources were added supernatural and human and archetypal characters, which basically is like a mixture of supernatural and human characters. Uncarded and forbidden in 1765. Um, trade guilds were guilds in prior to 1550. And in the city, um, council hired professional troops to really um to perform these type of plays that they were writing they got um tried find found like professional you know um actors during this time to perform these plays that they were doing so later in 1560 to 1592 a single troupe offered three plays per festival later on in 1962 no 19 1552 Sorry, two troops offered four plays per festival, and in 16, is that 16? Yeah, 1647, only two plays per festival. So it kind of like increased and then decreased, inc- like decreased, increased, and then decreased again. And the troops toured and made money. So basically, they had all these ideas and information. So they basically toured around the country to make. Not around the country, because I'm not saying around the country, but like around the county or around the, like their nation, they toured and they made these plays and ideas, you know, form. So later on, there are these cargo wagons 
which was a prior in 1647, two caros and starring scenic elements, changing costumes, entrances and exits were also included. Um, the third chorus was served the platform stage after 1647, fixed platform stages and four carols and two rears on each side, which was in the 1690s. It was 30, 36 by 50, 50 inches platform stage, four chorus and six, 16 times 36. So about that average weight. Um, then the Skeller and Religious, the drama side by side is really invested into the whole idea of having the stage platformed in an individual side. So the exit, the entrance, and then dividing it. So then the Skeller emerged in the 16th century with playwrights, which were Ferdinand de Rios, which he was in 1465 to 1541, and Juan de Quin and Chino, which was 1464 to 1529, founder of the non-religious Spanish drama. Um, then we have Baltum, Baldomin and Torres Natural, which were 1485 to 1530. He was a dramatic theorist, which really means we're going to look that up because we do not know what that means. So we're going to look at the dramatic theorist. What does that mean? Dramatic theorist. We're searching that up right now. I think that is. Oh, I spelled dramatic. Come on, not dramatic. Is a dramatic? Yeah, dramatic. I'm curious. What's that? It really doesn't give you a definition, but he says he was a beloved in theory of theater and curiously, which and influenced playwrights from Beckett to Greta from Albie to Gelber, which is really not give us a definition of what it is. So we don't really know what that is. But anyways. Um, later on, there was um, Gilvan Chiti, who was in 1453 to 1537. He wrote plays of the royal family of Portugal. And in 1510 to 1565, actor and manager and playwright, most popular performer of early Spain theater, wrote and directed Autos Scarlantes for the Corpse Christi Festivals and wrote five comedies and a dozen pasos. Passos are sketches drawn from daily life, written in prose, pots, featured in earthly humor, and coordinate speeches. Um, Poets fun at the manners of the period, used as humorous interludes between acts of longer works, characters, deputized conventional figures such as um, simple tones and masters. Um, longer serving works were the Frauds, Mora, Armenilium, Esfutia. No permanent theaters were really involved. Um, later on, there was Autor and Otter Manager, which is, you know, an author who manages, basically. Um, there's Geographical, This is Bread, the Camellia del Part Popular. I think I pronounced that right, but so. It's like comedies were into it, dramatics were performed, and all that. Later on, comedies were really just a full-length plays. At this point, they were longer than usual. 
um, comedies. They were also very new to this, you know, part of this part, this era or part of this time period. And um, ser- like there were serious comedies um, or mixture. Their themes honored love and honor. Leading characters often minor noblemen. Um, it was very episodic. You know, it was like an episode going on to another episode, like very scenic, you know. Did not acquire to near neo classical rules. You know, um, supernatural elements were really into it. There was like three acts usually. So it's like, you know, a modern musical, basically musicals like three acts, two or three acts, you know. Play um, copy longs from like two hours long, you know. Um, plays were usually about three thousand lines long, which is kind of a lot. Usually, like a modern play now. Um, and I'm gonna insert the picture on the document. But if you see, if you're looking at the PowerPoint, I'm getting all my sources from. So let's thank our sources. Um, let's thank our professor. Bruce Long, he is very excellent. He's super excellent what he does with his job. He's super cool. He does very well, and I enjoy. He has a lot of sources, and he is super cool. So let's all get back to it. So if you look at the picture that he posted, and I'm gonna post it on my document so you guys can see it, or if you guys are doing this alongside with me and you're like watching my podcast with like watching it face to face, like this is so cool. Like we're actually like face to face and like actually watching it. So you know, it's just like cool. Anyways. Like I said, it's super cool. Like, Rousey scenes face to face, and then you're hearing it or you're watching it. If you're watching it and you're doing all of it, like hearing it and watching it, like that's so cool. But you don't look like it's confusing. But, anyways, um, so if you see the picture, it's like it's like it's basically a playbill at this time period, and it's like super cool. So, now we're going to like the third part of this part on this thing. And the format is similar to Elizabethan dramas, but the subject was different. Popular melodramas, like types of comedy, were called sorry, if I pronounce these wrong. It's gonna be bad. I'm like, it's gonna be bad. It's like I really don't know like how to pronounce some words. But luckily they have the English translation on it. Thank you, Miss Professor Long. So um Kappa e Espada. Oh Kappa Espada, which is Cape and Sword. Um Tretro Corpor which is corpse and noise. <laughs> Um, court comedies with elaborate stage machinery. Um, entrances were including includes during intermissions and spoken or song. Many popular short face fractal forms presented um, some of the pr- program of comedies. You know, this really gave the actors and audience this like the actors literally give the actors a lot of you know element to it. It both basically um gave the um. I try to make like zoom it in so you guys can see like more of my face and more or less the background. I can this is good. Basically gave the act not the actors, I'm talking about the actors, like Lorsa. I mean the audience a better good view of what was going on in this time period. Um so it really showed them how it went from point A to point B and how to make let's say their play was a comedy, obviously, we're talking about comedies. And obviously, the actor had to do something funny. And, you know, he had to, like, actually train or improvise or just, like, you know, he wanted to, like, the thing was to do something funny. That was, like, in the little pregnancies, it was funny. So, of course, the actor had to, like, figure out something funny to do. And the audience would react. So, really cool that the audience gets to react to it. 
So they then loped. So these were basically how long the plays ran and who directed them, basically. So Lupe de Vega was from 1562 to 1635. Um, Goddard and Barra was from 1600 to 1681. So he was pretty 81 years. That's a long time. He lived. He probably lived until he was like 81. And then we have Juan de Juan de la Cheva, which was 1550 to 1610. Um, Gillian de Castro, which was from 1569 to 1631, the Cid. Um, Juan Ruiz de Alcon y Mendoza, which was from 1580 to 1639. Um, Terros de Molina, which is from 1584 to 1648. Um, Rojos Zorilla is from 1607 to 1648. And Agustin Otro y Cabana is from 1618 to 1669. Okay, Lupe de Vega. He, so we're going to talk about Lupe de Vega. So Lupe de Vega, he was, he wrote 15,000 plays and only 18, almost 800, not 18, 800 more realistic estimate and about 470 survived. So they have a picture. Uh, like, like, look at it. Like, let me, like, look. Okay, this is my zoom in face. So see, like, let's look at it. So I'm looking, and, like, he's skinny. Like, he's skinny, skinny. He like a twig. He's, like, the size of my pinky. Maybe less, but he's a twig. And his fingers are so freaking long. His stats are like, whoop. But anyways, he established an distinctive episode scripture. And lived in the same time as Shakespeare. So he knew Shakespeare. They were like friends. <gasps> also, funny thing. Also, there's a theory. This has nothing to relate to like, what we're talking about. But there's a theory. Really not even a theory. I think it's a theory. Hopefully it is. Maybe it is. Who knows? But there's a thing that they said that William Shakespeare had... You know, of course, he had a wife. But they said he had like a, an affair with a man. I don't know if that's true or not. So like, if it is... Oh! That's crazy. But if it isn't, damn. Like, I mean, people, like, present, like, a lot of random things online. But if it is, if you guys, if you think it is, like, let me know. Like, comment or, like, comment on the podcast. Let me know if that's true. Or, like, you know, just, like, let me know. Because literally, I think that's so cool. But anyway, maybe they were lovers. Maybe Lupe de Vega was, like, his lover or something. Who knows? Like, let me know. Because, like, literally, I think that's crazy. But anyways, so... Let me, like, make this bigger so I can actually see it. Because I am literally, like, blind. Okay, so hold on. Let me just, like, make this bigger. Because, like, I'm literally blind. Let me just make... Um, uh, hold on. Like, there's a lot of editing, honestly. Okay. And let me just, like, put this... How do I make this so... Okay. Well... Okay, there we go. That. I know it's recording. Wait, hold on. Okay, sorry. Sorry about this, guys. Like, literally, this is me trying to, like, multitask and, like, record and have the podcast filming at the same time. So you guys could, like, see what I'm talking about. Okay, so. Wait, how do I, like, when I just, like, move this right here? There we go. So now I could, like, see everything. Because, like, literally, I was, like, so freaking lost. Because I couldn't really, like, see anything. Because it was, like, so, like, not easy to see. So. Okay. Well. 
Ramos died. So back to what we're talking about. So basically, he lived at the same time as Shakespeare. He wrote 21 plays, 21 volumes or prose and poetry. He aimed to please his audience with the new art of playwriting. This is what he called it. The new art of playwriting was a new modern time, basically. Um, he wrote in many genres. Some of the plays he wrote was to call The Dog in the Major, The Night Form, Amelia, The Foolish Woman, The Flowers of Don Juan, Don Juan, Punishment Without Revenge. That sounds interesting. So, like, now, okay, so, like, we're going to try to make this cool. So, let's, like, guess what these plays were about. The Dog in the Major. And maybe it was probably, like, a religious play, and it was probably based on God. But instead of using humans, it was animals. The Night of Amelia. Amelia, Amelia probably was like the you know a fairy tale, like a twisted fairy tale, fairy tale, a first version of a fairy tale. Um, the foolish woman it was probably about a woman who's probably like foolish and like a whole bunch of random shits. Um, the flowers of Don Juan. This sounds like a romantic tragedy. I feel like this is like about a man who probably like fell in love with this woman and he owned a flower shop and she came in every day, something like that. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, and Punishment Without Revenge actually sounds like a pretty good play. Like, I would go see Punishment Without Revenge. Like, what's the punishment? How do you do Without Revenge? Like, what? Okay. And works circulated throughout Europe. So these plays were, like, constantly being played around Europe. Like, they were involved and constantly played. Anyways. Then we have Pedro Calan del Barra. Okay, let's see what he looks like. He looks a little scary. If you guys look at the PowerPoint... Boy, he looked like a skeleton. He bald, like you guys see, like he's bald. He has like no hair, literally, and he has a big ass nose. Like, look at his nose. That's the biggest. He's like big, and his thumbs are shaped weird. But and he has like a little goatee. So he wrote many plays. Life is life is a dream. Love the great enchanter. Balzog's feast. The great theater of the world. The constant prince. House with the two doors, school to the guard, the physician and his own honor, secret vengeance, the secret insult, and the mayor of Zumla, beware of still, still water. Many plays were translated influence, new classical French words to England and German romics. He wrote 111 sector plays and only 70 auto sacramentals. Basically, he was kind of like, you know, he wrote a lot. Female playwrights. Ooh, here's woman empowerment. I stand for woman empowerment. We love the woman empowerment. So basically, he worked written in 17th century, but not produced. So it was an improvement. They were not produced, but they were written. So they served comedies, traditions, male dramatics, performed their plays. Um, so they bought basically the male's plays and then maybe probably made a twist to them. My butt is itchy, guys. Like, literally. I've been sitting on this chair all day. Uh, Angelo, Angelica de Alvarez, well, she was a playwright. And then we have Ana Carol Melin de Soto, who, was, who wrote many, ha, may have written autos. Len, um, Lenore de la Cabra, Lancheva y Silvia, they also were playwrights. Felicia, Felina and Cruz de Guzman, and Maria de Sayos y Soto Moore. Well-known literacy figures, Sor Juana Ines de la Cruz was also part of this. The Carlos was a public theater in courtyards, um, gallery in boxes, temporary, 
you know, it was the first of the parade pay permanent and was civil in 1574. Then filled in charities to two, two thousand specters, mostly men, you know. After all of this, you know, the stages were different back in the day. It was basically high art. So there's a stage where it's like on top of here, like not like on the like probably here. And the honors was on the bottom, so like right here. So, so it was like a very uh, bird eye view, you know. Um, the scenery was a two to three story stage house, which was like easy open curtain prop. Basically, it's more of a modern form of Broadway now, like a Broadway transforming. So they used a lot of like, you know, Broadway that like the stage is like up here. And then, you know, like the artist right here. So like the stage is long over. So it's like a bird eye view. The actors see the bird eye view and the audience had to look up. So basically, like, you know, it looks cool. Um, the stage and costumes were very, very complimentary they were more commemorating clothes they were historical very elaborate they're you know modern day acting companies where trips were usually the 16 to 20 performers which included women which again we go back into time where we're talking about how women slowly started to get into the more performing era so now women are included as well which is round of applause because women are amazing we love women power men woo so Later on, um, plays purchased more dramatic, larger repertoire of plays. Actors played multiple roles, typecasting, comedies, and saw characters were getting filled. So now the neoclassical drama, which is Peria Colori, who is Horace. Remember Horace? We talked about Horace. 1640s, Cena's new from 1641. Um, Poliette is new from 1643. Um, Rodin is from 1645. The Liar, who probably applied from 1643. Ballet was introduced at this time period. A lot of ballets were introduced. They had the thing called the Ballet of the Night. So maybe it was really, you know, something interesting. Like ballet was included. That's what was just awesome having ballet included. This brings more of like, you know, complementary dance forms into the whole productions. Architecture and scenery were very, very um accurate, very professional, very modern. Um overall, again, there was eight to twelve members. Um more women were introduced into performing. Looking down to modern days, getting more modern, there's more of like the costumes were different. Um, oh, Michael Burden, Bo Michael Barden was a child performer. He was a member of Merlin's Troops. He was a member of Company at Hotel Brew, started in Plethora. He was one of the comedic founding shareholders, introduced to a more supplical natural acting style, wrote 10 comedies, including The First Center, The Flirt of the False Prude, and The Reverse of the Rob Trailers. He was in 1685. Um, the audience, like, yeah, like I said, they gave had a view, and basically, this is the end of our podcast. Like, wow. I feel like we learned so much more in this high English, especially. And then this is the last unit. I just these. <coughs> I don't know what that was. I think it was, like, a sneeze and a cough and a bar. I don't know. But anyways, um, we really learned a lot, and I feel like, overall, this whole experience it's been so cool like i've learned a lot 
and literally this is so cool like you guys are watching this now you're probably like if you're gonna if you're watching this you're probably watching this and you're also like here in the podcast or watching the video and going along with me with this journey i feel like this is super cool like i feel like i feel so professional like oh my god i might actually like alongside this if you guys are interested in hearing my voice and want to find out more go watch listen to my actual book this is my school book like for this class broadcast but I have a podcast on my um a podcast. I'll post it so you guys can go check it out if you guys want to. It's basically just talking about random things, you know, about life and about comedic stuff, you know. So just say so you guys want to check that out, go check it out. But anyways, thank you for listening to my podcast. I'm Andy Allen. I'm signing off. Have a great, great Christmas. Have a great holiday. Have a literally have the greatest holidays of your whole life. Basically, enjoy yourself. Enjoy time with your family. And all I gotta say is thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye, guys.